Good morning. Welcome to our service this morning. We're glad that you're here and glad that you're online with us. Let's start this morning uh, with To God Be the Glory. If you would please stand with me. To God be the glory, great things he had done, so loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thanksgiving in your heart, your 
services here at West Irwin, especially to our visitors. Whether you're here in present or online, we're glad you're with us. Um, I just want to say that uh, it's really good to see people in the crowd, faces in the crowd. We were in Illinois last week for my uh, father-in-law's funeral service, and the state of Illinois is much more shut down than the state of Texas is, and uh, they limit gatherings of people to no more than 10. So as we were driving around Peoria, I noticed a lot of signs on churches that they were having online services only. And I think this is much better, that we're able to actually gather and see each other and greet each other in a safe, respectful, distant way. Um, but it is good to see everybody. A couple of special things I'd like to mention. Um, Callie Huff, who had been in the hospital, is actually here today, so it's good that she's here. I um, want to uh, mention Jenny and David Week, uh, Wicks. Uh, Jenny and the passing of her mother, Juanita Graff. Uh, the services were, I believe, yesterday. Um, Mary June Goodson uh, was hospitalized last week for surgery. She had a 
blockage in her small intestine. Uh, part of that was removed. She's doing okay. Uh, but they expect for her to release midweek and she'll either go home or she'll go to rehab. So we want to remember them. Also, I'd like to mention uh, Rex and Cynthia Johnson, who used to go to church here, were former members here. Their son, Alex, passed away this last week at the age of 28. Many of us knew the Johnsons, knew Alex. Uh, Alex had some health issues. But still, to, to lose a child at a, at a young age is, is difficult. Uh, for those who are interested, the visitation for Alex will be at Stewart Family Funeral Home tomorrow from 5 to 7 in the evening with the funeral service uh, on Tuesday morning, December the 1st at 10 a.m. also at Stewart Family Funeral Home. And the last thing I want to mention is just uh, to continue prayers for our uh, search for our youth minister. Um, I want to read to y'all a, this being Thanksgiving week and the end of Thanksgiving weekend, something that a friend of mine sent me that I think is appropriate. It's called a Thanksgiving prayer, and it goes like this. O bountiful God, you have blessed us beyond all measure with food and family, friends, and freedom. We thank you for looking upon us in love and filling all creation with your loving gifts. Show yourself to us in all the surprising ways that you are present in our world, in our lives, in our family and friends, co-workers and strangers. Help us to use your gifts wisely, to share them unselfishly, and to enjoy them immensely. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the first day of the week, that we could come and worship you and to be a part of this worship service and for the opportunity to gather and praise your name. And Father, we pray for those who have been traveling this week, those who are returning home, those who have been here to see family and will be returning to their homes. And we pray for all of us individually, Father. Um, you know our needs, you know our wants, and we, we offer up that prayer. Father, we pray for this church for the growth of this church, for the uh, seeking of our youth minister, for the leaders of this church. We pray that as we transition into 2021 that you will bless us tremendously. And Father, we offer special prayers for Stan Mallory, Fred Powell, Elmer Miles, Bud and Charlotte Coyer, Norma Durham, Ira Groom, Jean Chandler, Phil Martz, Keith and Karen Glass, Joyce Allen, Sue Skipper, Sherry Osborne, John Murray, Ralph Henderson, Sharon Ketchum, Janice Hardaway, Misty Ford, and Jim Gibson. And Father, we pray for our country, for our leaders, on the national level, on the state level, on the local level. Uh, we went through a very challenging time with the election, and we pray for a healing, but we, most importantly, we pray that we keep you at the center of all things and that you're guiding hand will be on our elected leaders. And Father, as we transition to 2021, we know that this past year has been a year of turmoil. And it's been a turmoil uh, for this church, for us individually, for our country. And we know that we've had these times of trials before. And Father, we know that you have always seen us through those trials but we pray that we always turn our eyes to you 
and to realize and to remember that you always love us, that you'll never forsake us, that you'll always do what's best for us. And in all things we pray that thy will be done. In your son's name, amen. cap just a little bit. Um, Rick was born with cerebral palsy because the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck too tight and it cut off oxygen. Um, later, years later, when he grew up, he asked his father, Dick, to push him in his wheelchair in a benefit race. And after that race, uh, Rick told his father that that made him feel the most normal that he had ever felt. And so this inspired Dick to begin relentlessly training so that they could enter as many racing events as possible. Um, Team Hoyt competed in 1,130 endurance events together. 72 of those were marathons, 32 of those being the Boston Marathon, six Ironman triathlons, and a number of other races. Dick was so dedicated to training to prepare for these races that he personally was able to run a 5K in 17 minutes. 
And when others had encouraged him to compete on his own to try to get a personal win, he refused because he said that his purpose of this was to serve his son, Rick. And Jay did a fantastic job of relating the love and dedication uh, of this example of an earthly father uh, and comparing that to the even greater love that our heavenly father has for us that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. It was a great way to get perspective on just how much God loves us and that he is still willing to help us. So each of us that was there last week heard what Jay had to say, and we each probably have our own unique perspective on, you know, what was said. And so as I sat there, it kind of hit me that some people in the audience or online, um, you know, may have come from a home with no father. Some of us may not have any children, whether it's by choice or not. Um, others of us have, you know, normal children. And so the concept of what Dick did for his son Rick is kind of foreign and just blows your mind like it did me. And so I wanted to talk about how Jay's thought kind of impacted me that day because I thought, you know, maybe there were some different perspectives there. And it was such a great message. Let's delve into that a little bit. So uh, I have children. And so as I sat there and I listened and heard all this long list of accomplishments that Team Hoyt uh, racked up, it kind of made me feel guilty a little bit. Uh, And let me say that, you know, at the same time I was hearing this from the position of being a father, but also, you know, from the position of the son as well. And I thought... Wouldn't it be great if I was able to do the same kind of things that Dick did for his kids? If I had that level of dedication, if I had that level of commitment. And so as Jay was listing off all these things that they did together, with each accomplishment, it kind of made me feel a little bit worse and worse because it made me realize that I have fallen well short of the example of Dick Hoyt. And, you know, I kind of tuned Jay out for a minute and I started praying about it because it convicted me so much. And I thought, you know, God, I wish that I could be that kind of a father. I wish that I could do something great like that, but I've got this limitation and I've got this problem and and this and that and you know I just kind of finally had to stop and realize that all I was giving was excuses and so then it hit me I am that I am and it just popped into my brain we are all faced with challenges, different challenges. Each one of us is going to be challenged differently. But the good news that we have 
is that we all can depend on God to carry us through those challenges in the same way that Dick carried his son, Rick, through the races. When Moses encountered God in the burning bush, God told Moses to go to Egypt and to tell the pharaohs, tell the pharaoh to let the Hebrews go. And then what did Moses do? He started giving a list of reasons why he couldn't do that. You know, I'm not a very good talker, this, that, the other. And this response from Moses kind of angered God. And so in Exodus 4, 11 to 12, God responded to Moses' uh, list of excuses why he couldn't do it by saying, But the Lord said to him, Who has made the human mouth? Or who makes anyone unable to speak or deaf? Or able to see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I myself will be your mouth and instruct you in what you are to say. So what hit me was that God wasn't asking me to be Dick Hoyt. He already made a Dick Hoyt and a Rick Hoyt. Their story is their story. Their accomplishments are their accomplishments. God wants us to rise and face whatever challenge he's prepared for us individually. But it's not the challenges that are important. What's important is that we understand and accept that we can't win the race on our own, that we have to fully depend on God. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercy that you sent Jesus, that he could live as a human on this earth, to live and die after living a perfect life, to be the sacrifice that we need for forgiveness of our sins. And as each of us takes this bread that represents his body that was crucified, we do this mindfully of your love for us, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And so the question then is, you know, how do we get, how do we declare ourselves on the same team? You know, you had Team Hoyt. So how do we get on Team Jesus? And the answer to that is pretty simple. See, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice, and the blood that he shed for us, that's our jersey. That's how we get on his team. We become, we declare that we're on his team by becoming his disciple and being baptized onto his team, and his blood washes away our sin. So at this moment, let's go to him in prayer and give thanks for that as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for Jesus, his love for us. We thank you for the blood that he shed so that we could have our forgiveness of sins, so that we could be on your team. We ask that you could forgive us when we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
finally, part of being in this in the race and the competition uh, means that you have to be in the race. And just like the son of Team Hoyt, Rick, he wasn't the one who was expending most of the energy as Father Dick was, but he was still in the race. And so what what does God ask us to do? He asks us to be in the race. And that means different things to different people. We can all race as we are able, but one thing we can do is give back. And so whether that is, you know, a blessing that God has given you that you have a lot that you can give back or whether it's not a lot because as was mentioned, you know, these are pretty rough times. 2020 has been a rough year and, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of financial resources to give, but you have other ways to give. You have talents that God has given you. You have your time. You have your energy and your effort. And maybe you're like me and you've looked back and you thought, well, you know, my racing hasn't been very good. That's okay. This is the start of a new week. This is the start of a new day. We're about to start a new year. It's never too late to get in the race. So let's give thanks to God for what we do have, the abilities that we have, and let's put them to use. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the leaders of this church. We thank you for the members of this church. You've blessed us all so much with talents and abilities and different blessings. We're not all the same except in one thing, and that is our love for each other and our love for you. We pray that you would increase that love, and we pray that you would increase our talents and abilities and blessings so that we could in turn bless each other, bless our community, and use these blessings to show, to demonstrate love, just like you demonstrated for love for us when you sent Jesus to die for our sins. Help us to be on the same team. Help us to unite and pull in the same direction to compete as hard as we can for the victory, the victory that you've already won for us. But let us be united in our efforts and our love for you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time for our children to be dismissed to blasts. And if you ever wouldn't, please stand with me before Bill's lesson. I always want to say blast off. I don't know. But let's stay on this earth, I guess. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. And thank you, Lord, for blessing me.
Thanks, Rusty, for those wonderful songs of gratitude and thanksgiving and praise um, to God. None of us saw 2020 coming. If you want to smile in the midst of a difficult time, just think back about, about your plans that you made in January. If you had New Year's resolutions, think about those. Uh, if you're a church leader, we look at each other occasionally and smile and think, oh yeah, that 2020 vision, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember that. And uh, a lot of that can still be done and is still being done. Uh, some of it, not so much. None of us saw 2020 coming. We, we just didn't. And so as I titled this sermon, I, I hope that you appreciate the title, Gratitude in 2020. <laughs> I started to put, really? <laughs> but I think you understand that. I think you understand that. And, and not only is uh, this title, uh, I also have a title for my first sermon in 2021 on January 3rd, um, which will be 2021, finally. <laughs> I'm not sure how much is going to be different in January of 2021, but I think that we are all ready uh, to do that. I, I saw a, a funny tweet or something a while back. Uh, someone wrote and said, I am not buying a 2021 calendar until I can have some assurance that 2020 will end. <laughs> I thought, yep, preach on. That is, that is for sure. None of us saw 2020 coming. And yet today, even today, I believe in counting your blessings. I believe in counting your blessings. We'll sing that great old hymn in just a little bit. I believe in counting your blessings, even in 2020. And I think we have plenty of wonderful, positive things that we still have today as very, very blessed, the most blessed people on this earth, I believe. And certainly as Christians, as uh, uh, Chris shared with us earlier, around the table as these wonderful songs that we've been given as the, the great degree of fellowship with one another that we have and, and the blessing of being able to pray for one another and share each other's burdens um, as our new shepherd Grant Knight led us a few moments ago. Uh, what a, we have so many wonderful positive blessings for which to be thankful even in 2020, but I do believe that as we're counting our blessings... I believe that one of those blessings is trials. I think at this point, you, like I, have probably seen a lot of the lists that are going around through email and social media and um, other things that are uh, talking about lessons learned in 2020. Uh, we have had wonderful Bible classes uh, during this time since we started up Bible classes again, and I've been a part of the classes, the adult classes in the Family Life Center in the last couple of weeks especially. Another one of our shepherds, Wade Weathers, has shared about uh, that difficulty uh, between uh, having faith in the biblical record and in the God who is the creator and sustainer, the judge and the savior, and at the same time acknowledging uh, the important questions and uh, difficulties at times that the scientific world might bring before us. And it's been, this morning especially, we had 
a, a great deal of, of discussion. And this coming Sunday in that class, I want us to think about what we have learned as Christians and as a church this year, what some of the lessons that 2020 has taught us. And so I think there's a lot of those kinds of <laughs> lists that are out there and that are, I, I think, that are good and helpful. And you may want to do that. And you may not want to show it to anybody, but I think it would be good uh, for each of us to consider what, what has really, what has this year taught me? What are some of the benefits? What have been some of the challenges? I think that's a great thing. But I think that one of the, one of the blessings of 2020 is it reminds us, it reminds us of the blessing of trials, of difficulties, of challenges. And so this morning, I have a very weird, (laughs) you know me, I have a very weird Thanksgiving message. (laughs) And that is, I want us to look at one of the most difficult passages in Scripture, really, and one of the most difficult verses, and that's in James chapter 1. I believe in counting your blessings. I also believe that one of those blessings is trials. And I think Scripture teaches us that. It teaches us that in the very words that it gives us. But it also teaches us that in the examples of the people that we see that are the heroes of the inspired word. The greatest of which is Jesus Christ. And so reading this passage in James chapter 1, beginning with this difficult verse, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And we want to say, come again? (laughs) That's, I'm sorry, you lost me there. And if that were the only verse in this passage, you would have lost me too. And a lot of our friends and family members who don't appreciate the scripture message and don't appreciate that faith in Christ that we might, um, that's where they stop listening. And that's unfortunate because as true as James chapter uh, 1 verse 2 is, it's not the only part of that statement. And so let's read it again with the verses that follow. James 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And now skip down to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. As we think about this passage and we think about the trials, we're very much aware of the difficulties that we have experienced. Our our congregation that is worshiping with us today online is, is making that sacrifice, even still. Not being able to be here as a part of this group, not being able to see those faces, um, not being able to see the eyes smiling and unless you're in your pew that's the only part that you see smiling because everybody has masks on from the nose down and rightly so 
many are not here today because they shouldn't be here today. And we're so very grateful that we have this online presence. What a blessing. What a blessing. But one of the things you lose that you don't get to experience as well um, as those of us that are gathered here are these wonderful songs that we've sung today. And it just just made my heart, you know, sitting up here at the front, you really get to appreciate that more. But as as we were singing that song, you know, we sang two songs today with the same title. Did you notice that? Thank you, Lord. There are two songs. You don't think that's caused us worship leaders and planners fits and those who prepare the bulletin fits through the years, trying to match those up? Um, But we sang two of those songs that are titled, Thank You, Lord, and that one that starts out, For all that you've done, I will thank you. And that beautiful chorus part where the men sing and then the women come in and echo you did so beautifully with that. Um, and, and it's such a blessing to be able to hear that again, uh, to be able to be encouraged by these wonderful songs and hymns of faith. I think one of the lessons that we have learned uh, in 2020 is to count our blessings. But again, I think one of those blessings is trials. So let's look at these verses from James chapter 1 and and make a few statements um, about being grateful, even for the trials. First of all, the trials in our lives test our faith. The trials in our lives test our faith. And so we see that in verse 2 especially. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that that seems like a contradiction. It seems like that's there's something more to it. And there is, as we read. But the trials in our lives test our faith, and so we do not deny the difficulties. We don't deny the difficulties. And this verse is not meant to be there as if to say, you should be happy in your that you're suffering. I don't believe that's true at all. I don't think that is the right definition of biblical joy. Biblical joy goes so far beyond the happiness that we might experience in this world based on our circumstances. If everybody likes us, if the doctor has good news, not bad. If the church is doing well, if the job wants us and is paying us appropriately. All of those things and so many more are wonderful blessings that we appreciate and that we pray for actually and that help us to be happy in this world. But that kind of happiness we know in our heads, maybe not as much in our hearts, but we know in our heads that there's no guarantee that those things are going to be consistent. In fact, our experience has proven exactly the opposite. Our experience has shown us that it's going to be good days and bad days. I mean, we are what we are, (laughs) right, Chris? And so we use whatever that is to glorify God. I think that's especially seen in that wonderful story in James uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 9 when when Jesus approaches this man born uh, blind and they his disciples ask him who sinned who caused this why why did this happen? And Jesus as he does so many times goes eh, wrong question but I'll answer it anyway. The reason this happened is so that God can be glorified in this man's life. We are what we are, and whatever that is, 
That is because God can be glorified in your life. Even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of trials, difficulties, testing our faith, yes. Those things are there so that God can be glorified. And so we don't take a special joy and happiness in the hard parts of of life. But we don't deny that there's good that can come from them. Just as we don't deny the difficulties, we don't deny God's working in the midst of them. And that's what separates us from people without faith. Because people without faith, they can only see what is there. And that's why their happiness or their sadness depends on the external circumstances of the moment. And that's why so many of their decisions are are based on that. But for the Christian, for the child of God, for the disciple of Jesus Christ, we see those things differently. And we acknowledge the difficulty and do not deny that. And don't wish it on anybody, but we also acknowledge that God is at work in the midst of this. Just as he was at work with Moses, who had so many wonderful excuses for why he couldn't do the job. And finally, God gets frustrated. I think it just says, Moses, you're my man. End of discussion. You're going. That's it. I loved Romans 8, my favorite chapter in the Bible. And and there's a, there's a section in there that starts in verse um, 14 and goes on. And in verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Later on in that passage, he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, We wait for it patiently. Now, I think Paul and I are going to disagree about that patiently part at times. (laughs) Not so sure I'd do too well on that one sometimes. But we hope for what we don't yet have. That means that we're still in a world where we experience difficulties. We experience trials, and those things test our faith, and we don't deny them. But at the same time, we also don't give in to them. And we don't believe for a second that God can't work his will out even in these trials, even in the difficulties, even in things that test our faith. Number two, the trials in our lives produce in us perseverance. Again, starting in verse 2, but reading the next couple of verses as well of James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The trials in our lives produce in us perseverance. And that's so important because Jesus even tells the story in the parable of the soils and the sower. He talks about that seed that is thrown out on, in the rocks. You remember that one? Thrown out in the rocks and boy, it's, 
springs up like crazy, but there's not much root because the rocks are there. And then when times of testing come, when difficulties come, when persecution comes, it dies off because it has no root. It hasn't done what these verses that James just shared with us tell us is the purpose, God's purpose in our trials. It is to strengthen us. It is to make us mature and to make us complete, to help us be able to persevere on down the road and maybe even to persevere now. Second Corinthians 1 says a part of the purpose for our trials is to help others develop that to comfort them the way the God of all comfort has comforted us. The trials in our lives produce in us perseverance. And some things, like much of 2020, can only be endured. (laughs) There are some things that you just have to persevere. You just have to put your head down and buckle up and go through it. It's kind of like those storms sometimes when you're on the highway and you're thinking, you know, I wish I could drive around this storm, but I can't, so here we go. Obviously, sometimes the right thing is to pull over and wait for the storm to pass, but that's not the right thing every time. Some things, like much of 2020, I think, can only be endured. And so you figure out how you can endure that, how you can survive that, how you can grow through that, how you can persevere. And scripture, of course, has much to say about that. I've listed on the outline the great passage from Hebrews 10 at the end through that wonderful chapter 11, the honor roll of faith, and and then the last person in that honor roll of faith, Jesus himself in Hebrews chapter 12. And it starts out with this quote from Habakkuk chapter 2 that Habakkuk struggled so much with the difficulties in his life as the Babylonians were going to come in and take away his, his country. Destroy Solomon's great temple. Tear down the walls. Destroy the city. Carry everybody into exile almost. And Habakkuk tried to talk God out of that and say, God, this doesn't make sense. You're too righteous and just a God to allow a less righteous nation to punish a more righteous nation. And that makes sense to us too. And God says, yeah, I know, Habakkuk. This is never going to make sense to you. But my righteous one will live by faith. Basically saying, Habakkuk, you're just going to have to trust me on this. That's all I can tell you. Some things can only be endured. Some things can only be persevered. And yet we can do that. And, and so the writer of Hebrews, after using that example at the end of chapter 10, says, so, so we're not like those who are destroyed by the difficulties. We're like those who believe We're like those who trust and have faith. And then in chapter 11, he says, let me me tell you what faith is. It's like Paul said in Romans 8, hoping for something you don't yet have. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in something that you can't see. It's experiencing something that you really can't experience. As Paul would write to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, Right now, we live by faith, not by sight. It won't be that way forever, but it's that way now. 
And so the writer of Hebrews says we have to have faith in order to please God, Hebrews eleven six, And he says, let me explain to you, let me show you what that looks like. And that's that great chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith, all of these great heroes of the Bible did all of these things. But in the midst of almost every single one of them is difficulties, trials, hardship, handicaps that they had. And yet they accomplished great things for God by faith. That's what faith is. It looks at the difficulties, it looks at the trials and the hardships and the sacrifices that need to be made, and it makes them. Because it doesn't live by sight, it lives by faith. The trials in our lives produce in us perseverance. And so much of the things that we experience in this life have to be endured, not enjoyed at all, but endured and persevered and and somehow finding a way to get through it, first of all, but to get through it especially with faith not only intact, but stronger. There are so many at times who will experience difficulties and will use it to weaken their faith. And so many others who go through something very similar or even more difficult, and for them, it only strengthens their faith choice is really ours how we'll respond whether we'll endure and learn perseverance or whether we will give up and live by sight and not by faith for the joy set before him hebrews 12 says jesus endured the cross scorned its shame and received his reward and now he is the example for us The trials in our lives test our faith. We don't deny the difficulties. The trials in our lives produce in us perseverance. And some things can only be endured, like this year. (laughs) But then number three today, the trials in our lives move us to pray. The trials in our lives move us to pray. In James 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This fall on Tuesdays and Thursdays on my Facebook page, we've been going through the book of Psalms. And one of the things that I love about the psalmists is that they were very honest worshipers. They didn't hold anything back. When they didn't understand something, they told God, I don't understand this. They never let go of their faith. But they also never denied the difficulties that they were experiencing. And so they took that to God. And James, the half-brother of the Lord, who saw his brother die on the cross without vindication, without justification. And perhaps I wonder if during those three days before the resurrection, James shook his head and, and talked to their mother and, and told her, you know, I, we told him this was going to happen. We told him this was going to happen. But then the resurrection Sunday came and the tomb was found empty and the stone rolled away and Jesus began to appear to different people, including his brother, James, that wrote this epistle. And he was never the same. The trials in our lives move us to pray. And so when James says, look, if you don't understand something, then pray about it, he's speaking from experience. Talk to the Father 
about it. Prayer acknowledges our dependence upon God. It acknowledges our dependence upon God. And that's what we heard today from Grant during our shepherd's prayer and from Chris around the table. That we pray to God. That we depend upon God. That we rely upon the blood (laughs) to be our covering. Because we can't do that on our own. Prayer acknowledges our dependence upon God, and we see that in a great way in so many wonderful passages of Scripture. But I want to remind you of the story of King Hezekiah in in the Bible. In 2 Kings chapters 19 and 20, there are two great examples when King Hezekiah, who saved the southern kingdom of Judah by responding to the prophet Isaiah and trusting in God in the midst of a, a a time when the Assyrians had taken over uh, Syria. They had taken over the northern kingdom of Israel, and now they had their sights set on Jerusalem and and Judah. And they send him this letter in 2 Kings chapter 19 saying, look, don't trust in your God. Nobody else's God was able to handle it. We're going to destroy you just like we destroyed them. You might as well give it up. And Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah the king took that letter and he took it to the temple and he spread it out before the Lord. I love that. That's what we do when we're going through difficulties and trials and we don't understand it. We spread it out and lay it out before the Lord. That's what he did. And because of that, he saved his people. Yes, only for a while, some decades, but at least he saved them then. In chapter 20, God sent Isaiah the prophet to him to tell him, put your house in order. That's where that passage is. Put your house in order, King Hezekiah, because you will die. This illness you have, you will not recover from. And so Isaiah, you know, he had done his job. He walked out, and Hezekiah the king turned to the wall and prayed. When you're up against the wall, that's what you do. And many of us have been up against the wall this year. When you're up against the wall, you turn and you face the wall and you slide down and you get on your knees and you pray. And you acknowledge your dependence upon God. And that's what James tells us to do. Look, if you don't get this, then pray. It doesn't mean just pray about it and you'll all feel better and everything will be butterflies and rainbows. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Again, we don't deny the difficulties. It just means that we tap in to the power of God that is not dependent upon circumstances. That's not dependent upon anything. Paul learned that with his thorn in the flesh, and he communicated that to the Philippian church in chapter 4 when he said, look, when things don't make sense, then take it to God with thanksgiving in your heart. Take it to God in prayer and his peace that none of the world can understand will hold on to you. As we close today, this statement and the reading of James 1, verse 12, we are able to persevere because of what God has promised. And he has not promised that everything is going to go our way in this life. In fact, if you read the Gospels closely, Jesus promises, look, if you're going to be my disciple, some things are not going to go your way because of that. But I will be with you through it all. We are able to persevere because of what God has promised, and God has promised his presence, but he's also promised us 
the crown. The Lord has promised us the crown of life. James 1 verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Doesn't say he's going to take away the trials and the, and the difficulties. It just says he's going to see us through it and give us the crown of life. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline myself to make sure I don't lose that crown after preaching to everybody else. In Revelation 2, the, the church at Smyrna is told, if you're faithful to me, even unto death. The church at Smyrna, one of the few churches where Jesus doesn't have anything bad to say about him. It doesn't look like it if you measure them by the world standards. But Jesus tells them, you just hang on to me even if you die. If, even if I don't save you from harm and death. You will receive the crown of life. And Paul at the end of his life, as you know, in this greatly quoted passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. And because of that, there is now waiting for me the crown of life, the victor's crown, which the Lord has promised to give to me, and not just to me, but to everyone who loves and longs for his appearing. We're able to persevere because of what God has promised and the Lord has promised us the crown of life and there's nothing, not anything, that this world can do to take that away. And so along the way, we have times of blessing and joy and we have times of difficulty and trials. But in all the times, we count our blessings and we name them one by one because that's what faith does. Let's stand and sing this great hymn together. When upon life's pillows you are tempted, lost, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the
Uh, before we close in prayer, let's sing, uh, He Has Made Me Glad, which starts with, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. God, we uh, approach your throne humbly, Father. We thank you for all the blessings that you provide us, especially during a season of Thanksgiving like this, despite the, some of the struggles and some of the uh, interesting curveballs that 2020 has thrown us. Father, we are truly appreciative of the blessings that you have provided us. Some of us have been blessed financially, spiritually, physically with, our, with good health, and we just pray, Father, that as we leave this place of worship that will go out into our homes and our jobs and amongst our friends and family, Father, and continue to share those blessings with each one of them and to uh, share your love with them. We just are thankful, Father, for the suffering that Jesus did endure for our sakes and just help us to continue to fix our eyes on him, for he really is the author and perfecter of our faith, Father. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen.